Welcome to the Love in the Fight Marriage Podcast. My name is Dawn Rosinger, and I am here with my husband, Travis Rosinger, and we are your hosts. Oh, man, it's so great to have you guys with us today. Yes, we are so glad that you have decided to join us today. Hey, Travis, there was a podcast I was listening to this last week by Andy Stanley, and he said something in this podcast that just keeps going through my mind. I just can't forget it. He said, unexpressed gratitude is experienced by the other person as in gratitude. And I thought that was so profound because Travis, you know, we talk a lot about verbalosity and being verbally generous, but when it came to gratitude, it just makes so much sense. Travis, if I don't express to you that I'm grateful that I have gratitude for you, then you are going to experience it as ingratitude. Yeah. And I want uh, you to be grateful for me. And of course, I want you to know that I'm grateful for you. And so, yeah, that I listened to the same message. That was powerful. And it was really a check, you know, to just really think through, okay, am I communicating my gratitude right. for who you are yep. as a person, Don? Not just for what you do or how you make me feel, but for who you are. And I just think that's so important in marriage that we do express to each other that we're grateful for each other and not just in our marriage, for everybody in our life that yeah. we have. We need to be grateful and we need to tell them that. We need to open our mouths. Right. Absolutely. And that's a huge part, a great way to tee us off, Don. Several years ago, we were at church. I was on staff at the church and I remember that there was a gentleman there that day and I knew him well and he was really upset. He was going off on our senior pastor and just really letting him have it. I remember his face was red. He was raising his voice. He was yelling and our senior pastor was doing such an incredible job of just, you know, loving the guy and taking it and, and not giving it back to him. Sadly, about two weeks later, that same guy that had lost it, that was screaming and yelling at the senior pastor, uh, that same guy ended up uh, just falling over from a heart attack. And it was so shocking to us at that time because it was so out of the blue, you know, so sudden. Right. Here he was full of life. I mean, passion, anger, frustration, or I think it was a miscommunication because our senior pastor did nothing wrong. But here this guy uh, was so fully alive, letting him have it. And then two weeks later, he's gone and we're going to his funeral. And I just uh, remember just feeling so shocked and sad that somebody could disappear that quickly. Experiences like that have made us think more deeply about death and to ask questions like, why is death so common yet so uncommon to talk about or focus on? After all, every single one of us we're going to die someday. We are. Yep, that's Someone once said that the death rate is 100%. I think it was C.S. Lewis and that no one makes it out alive. And that is just a reminder that not only do we not talk about death, but we should talk about death because we all die. Right. It's Travis. When we fly sometimes, I'll tell somebody right before we get on the plane, well, if the plane crashes, I'll see you in heaven. And it makes them really uncomfortable. It and I does. know it's kind of not the best comment, but their reaction is just kind of funny because they were just shocked that I said something like that. But I know where I'm going to spend eternity. So I feel comfortable saying something like that. Not that I want to die in a plane crash. Yeah. And I'd rather not die as well in a plane right. crash. It'd be nice to die a different way. But um, I see your point. You're able to just say, hey, I know where I'm headed. Well, the reason why we've been thinking about death more lately and wanted to do this episode, uh, Loving the Fight Marriage podcast episode on death is because you and I, we both have attended several funerals in the last week. We 
have. Three, it, to be exact. I don't think we've ever attended or been a part of three funerals ever in one week. In and one week, yep. It was just a lot of death. Very sad. Very, very Super sad. Super sad. One of the funerals was for a six-year-old child, another for a 60-year-old man who had suddenly died, and then a third one was for an 80-year-old man. And it's hard, Don, as you and I both know, attending those three funerals and being involved in those three th- funerals uh, over this past week, it's hard not to contemplate your own mortality and to think about how death should impact you while you're still alive. When you've been involved, you know, with that many funerals, it really does make you think about that. Actually, it was three funerals in like three days. I think it was. It wasn't even a full week. Yep. So here's a question. If you had two options of dying, and again, you and I, we're going to die. It's going to happen to all of us. So here are the two options. One option would be to know that you're going to die and to prepare for that. And one would be that you suddenly die and you never know in advance. Which one would you choose? How about you, Don? Which one would you choose? I definitely would want to know that I was going to die because there's a lot of things I would want to do or say or have a few last conversations with people. Yeah, and when I was younger, I used to not want to know. I just wanted to be cruising along in life. And had I answered that question or somebody asked me, I would have just said, no, I'd rather die without ever knowing it. It would be awful to know that one day your death is approaching. But now I'm the same way as you are, Don. I personally would choose knowing every time that I'm going to die. The reason why is because it'd be like going on a trip, but no one gave you a notice or advance warning. And so you didn't have a chance to pack your bag. You weren't mentally prepared. And all of a sudden you just jump in a car and they drive you 12 hours away or you come home, you know, to your house and suddenly everything's on the front lawn and you no longer can live in your house. There was no warning to pack your bags and be able to move out. You know, there's something about knowing in advance, knowing in advance that you're going to die would allow you to say the things like you mentioned, Don, and do the things that you would want before you're gone. Yes, Charles, I totally agree with you. So why do people die outside of just growing old and dying due to old age and a worn out body? Why do people die? Well, the leading cause of death in the United States, according to the CDC, is heart disease. It kills about 659,000 people a year, and it is still the leading cause of death in our world today, according to the World Health Organization. that's incredible. Like, I didn't know that until you and I started kind of digging into this and came across those statistics with the CDC, but... I didn't know. I thought maybe it'd be car accidents or some other kind of accident. I I didn't know that it would be heart disease. And literally, not just in the United States, but around the world, it's the number one leading cause of death. The leading cause. I agree. According to the Mayo Clinic, the most common form of heart disease is a buildup of fatty plaques in your arteries, also known as arthrosclerosis, which can damage your blood vessels and your heart. Plaque buildup causes narrowed or blocked blood vessels that can lead to a heart attack, chest pain, or a stroke. And not all, but most of arthrosclerosis is buildup of plaque in arteries, and heart attacks are often the results, but they can be prevented. Yeah, that's the cool thing. They can be prevented. That's incredible. So if each of us potentially can impact our own ability to stay healthy and influence how we die, what about that same level of effect on a social and spiritual 
level. So think about the logic of death. There is always logic when it comes to death. Imagine if you were given one week to live, you knew that you were going to die in seven days from today. Would that change how you live your life your next seven days? Yes, of course. It would. It obviously would drastically change. You would probably tell all the people that you love in your life what they really meant to you. You would try to enjoy the last few days and moments that you have. You would begin to focus on what life after death really means. And you would also probably spend time thinking about what your life on this earth has meant. It would absolutely change how you think, how you behave, how you feel, how you act. Yeah. It would change everything. I think a million things would come flooding into my mind if I knew I had seven days. And then I would make this huge list. And literally, I would just start crossing them off. Right. And kind of like a bucket list, but more of just talking to people and loving on them and really doing those last things that I know I should yes. do or would want to do before I die. So that concept of having a short period of time and knowing that you have a short period of time before you die, I had a chance to kind of experience it not firsthand, but to watch somebody very close to me go through that. And a lot of what you just said, Don, is true. A good friend of mine was diagnosed with a terminal form of cancer, and he was just given the small amount of time to live. And he started to share with me many things that he had experienced throughout his life, what his life had meant to him, and what he wanted his loved ones to believe about him after he was gone. And I was privileged to spend a lot of time with him together as his health began to fade more and more. And then he eventually, sadly, died. I'll never forget being at his funeral and sharing what he meant to me with all of those who were present. It was such a sad day, but at the same time, it was such an important day. It was a day that we were celebrating his life. We were remembering who he was and what he stood for, what he meant to all of us. So why is this concept of death and thinking about death important to your life and to your marriage as you listen to this episode in this podcast. Why is this relevant to you, this whole idea of dying? So here's why. A lack of focus on finality grows complacency. If you don't focus on the fact that your days on this earth will finally come to an end, you might grow complacent and even with your spouse and even in your marriage And that means that you start to take people for granted. You might live like you have forever and will never die, but sadly, that's not true. So a lack of focus on finality will cause you to lie to yourself through impulsive actions that lack intentionality. Jesus himself. I believe with all my heart, has given us a mandate, an obligation to continually focus our minds on death so that we won't grow complacent and take life or others for granted. We know this is true because Jesus said, if a man will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The idea or the symbolism of a cross there really denotes or identifies the concept that he's trying to communicate, and that is death, the death of our selves. He also said that if a man wants to gain his life, he must lose it for my sake. The very target, the laser focus that Jesus is wanting us to have is the death of our own selfish attitudes and actions to make others the priority of our lives and to know that death is the doorway 
to true life. I mean, that's why he uses those concepts, those ideas. After all, that's how we get to heaven and we get to eternity. We have to die someday. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing because it means that we're going to get to be in heaven. When you know that you have a limited amount of time and days left on this earth and you think about that fact often, it has great power to change the way you live. And when you know you're going to die and you think about that often, it has great power to change the way you treat your spouse. It definitely does. It helps you think through a different lens. You look at life through a completely different lens. Yeah. And and Don, to even contemplate life sometimes without you and to realize how sad that would be and how much would be lost, that I would not be in the place that I am today if you weren't alive. Now, one of the funerals that I attended this week, I actually officiated and had a chance to just be there for the family and to love on them. And as I think about someone who has gone and I preside or officiate over their funeral, it's hard not to think about my own life and about my own death. I'm not going to be here alive on this earth forever. I'm going to die one day. Well, believe it or not, there is really good news about death. And if you are a Christian, having the right view of death is so important. Death is not a dangerous or a scary thing because Jesus changed all of that for people who believe in him, who've made him the Lord of their yeah. life. And ironically, it was through his own death, his own death on a cross, that then death for us, for his followers, those that believe in him, it, it completely changes yeah. how we view death. It talks about death in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three. it says this, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And I know some of you guys have probably heard that scripture at funerals, but it's true. Death, where is your sting? Yeah, it's gone. Right. Jesus nailed sin and death on the cross, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. It has no power over us. You know, that's so true, you guys. Death is a doorway to heaven and a doorway to look into the very face of Jesus. There was a man on the cross next to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, This day you will be with me in paradise. When I die, I absolutely believe that immediately I will open my eyes and look into the face of Jesus as I find myself in heaven. And that's exciting news. That's it's amazing. Great that's news. not something to fear. That's why I love death. Where is your sting? Yeah. And we sang when our kids were young, Don, every night we'd sing, Jesus loves me with yeah. them, to them. And so to know that when we die, it's not like we're about to go through this horrible, awful, evil thing. We're going to open our eyes and that same Jesus that loves us is going to be staring right back right. into our eyes. You know, one thing that death gives us is that it gives us a chance to count our days and number them so that we make the most of our time on this earth. It helps us to appreciate time. It helps us to appreciate people when we realize that our days are numbered. Yeah, and I think what we're trying to do in this episode as we think about death and the shortness of our own life and also marriage, we're, we're really trying to focus on the idea that death can be a good thing yeah. and thinking about death can be really helpful to us. Because I know, Travis, when I think about you and I think about one day you won't be here next to me, man, I just want to treat you better. I want to make sure that my words are loving, that my words are kind, that my actions show to you 
that I love you and that I care about you. I want to actually think of you and look at you many times in my day, knowing that you're not always going to be here. Because you know why? Because I'm going to be grateful for you. So in Psalms 90 verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In that same verse, in a different version, it says this, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And the word brevity, it means shortness. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the idea of life being meaningless is stated many times by the author. I don't know. Yeah. Every time I read it, it says meaningless. It sounds depressing. I it don't does. think it is, but it sounds it's that way. It's not a depressing book of the Bible. It's actually encouraging. It actually helps you look at life a little differently. But that word meaningless comes from the Hebrew word habel, which means like a vapor or a mist or even more clearly like human breath. Yeah. I mean, we're in winter right now. When you go outside and you breathe, you can see your breath. Yeah. And I think that it's not only like it's a mist, it's like the breath coming out of your mouth when it's cold out, but it's also like one breath. It is. That's it. You breathe it in, you breathe it out, it's gone. And that's the way that life is. It's over. In Ecclesiastes, he wasn't trying to say that life is worthless or a waste of time. Instead, he was saying that life is short and filled with brevity. It's short. So again, this is a marriage podcast and this episode is on death, which might seem a little bit weird, but when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our own lives and intentionality and making sure that we're fighting complacency, we need to be thinking about the shortness, the habel, the shortness, the brevity of life. It's not going to be here forever and neither are our spouses. So we want to celebrate them and enjoy them and be grateful for them. So that's why when we think about death, the words of Job, a man in the Old Testament who experienced a massive amount of death and pain, but continued to live with God and heaven in full view, he's given us these incredibly powerful words to guide our lives and marriages. I want to read them to you. Here's what he writes in Job chapter 19, verse 25. He says these incredible Incredible words, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at that thought. Wow, that is powerful. As Job, uh, uh, someone who has lost everything, and he's sitting there and he says these incredible words in light and view of the potential death that he is facing. So what are the three main things that he said and how can we apply them to our marriages and our lives? Well, the first thing is he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And really what he's talking about there is maintaining a serious awareness that Jesus is alive, that he is watching your life and that he loves you. And and of course, that can't be overstated. This is such an important but blessed discipline, to know that Jesus is alive, that he's there, and it will bring you so much joy, even in the most difficult moments like Job, when he has lost everything and he's in physical pain because of the boils on his body. But then he says, but as for me, I know my Redeemer lives. I love that when he says it, that he's like declaring, it's a declaration. I know my Redeemer lives. That's a powerful statement. He's declaring it. He is confident and he knows it. it makes you just want to be like, yes, our Redeemer lives. My 
Redeemer oh, lives. Jesus lives. It's so awesome. And that's why I may be kind of a, a unique pastor in terms of when I officiate funerals, I really like them. Yes, I officiate weddings and I'm at lots of different spiritual kind of functions, if you will, in a church or in people's lives. But funerals are extra special. Why? Because it's the one time in life where people actually stop and think about their own life and their own death. And that's what Job does. He goes, I, look, I know my Redeemer lives. And then he says, I know I will die someday. He says it this way, that when his flesh has been destroyed. So having a very real comfort level with your future death and contemplating it on a regular basis like Job was doing will bring a much higher level of intentionality with how you live. Your life is an hourglass and you're slowly running out of time. Knowing that is a joy because it further connects you to God when you are humble and you understand your own frailty, your own mortality, that you're going to die one day. It's funny, on our dining room table, Travis, I don't know if you ever noticed that, we actually have one of those hourglasses like where the grains of sand fall through it. And it's right there in the middle of our table. And it reminds us every day that life is ticking, time is Time is ticking. It keeps moving. And it's not depressing, but it's a good reminder that, man, enjoy the people around you. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy just life in general and don't take it for granted. Yeah, that's so good. Job says, hey, but as for me, I know my Redeemer lives and one day my flesh will be destroyed. But then he says these words, I will see God. I will see God. One day he's going to stand on this earth and I'm going to see him. So having a fascination like Job did with heaven and an understanding uh, that this thing called life that we are all currently living is merely a slice of time that is constantly swallowed up in an ocean called eternity is so helpful. Time does not exist in eternity. There's no need for it. So Job says with great faith, I will see God. Ultimately, that is the most important statement you and I could ever make while we're on this earth. One day I'm going to see God. Everyone we know, according to the Bible says, will stand before God one day, either as their loving father who they responded to and served all the days of their lives, or as their judge who they rejected and dismissed as unimportant mm. and maybe just ran from. And it doesn't uh, negate the love of God. God loves those that reject him and God loves those that accept right. him. But one day we will all see God, like Job says. I know Job had to deal with death and disappointment. He lost all of his kids and all of his herds of animals in a terrible storm. Yet all of that calamity and death refined his perspective for what truly matters in life. Death can be your best friend. Death is a reminder to live. It's a reminder to spend the diminishing currency of oxygen, blood flow, and heartbeats in a way that is worthwhile and lasting. Death and an acute awareness of its imminent approach can be one of the greatest motivators in life to live the right way. In other words, I want to make the most of my life. Travis, I want to make the most of my life. I want to make sure that I'm grateful for you. I want to make sure that all the relationships in my life, they're just, uh, they're important to me. And yeah. I want people to know that. Yeah. And and honestly, that phrase, till death do us part, is so integral to marriage. It's even, you know, we talk about death, but it's even, you know, at the altar at times, traditionally when people are getting married. Why? Because not taking each other for granted, not taking the fact that we'll be gone someday. And then knowing that we've made this commitment for life, right. Don, till death do us part. We're going to be here together living and loving and fighting through this life together. 
Well, I know this whole podcast was focused around death, but hopefully it didn't discourage you. Hopefully it actually inspired you. And that was our goal, just to realize how important the people around us are and how important our spouse is. Because you know what? Your spouse won't always be there. One day, your spouse will die. Travis, one day, either you will die or I will die first. Hopefully, I'm praying together. Like, that would yeah, be great. Yeah, that would be better. But we won't be together always. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that you know that I love you, I care for you, and I'm so grateful yeah. for you. And that's such a good point, Don. You and I know many couples where one of the spouses is gone. Yeah. They suddenly died, maybe in a car accident or through cancer or some kind of illness, and now they're gone. And it's like, wow. Who would have thought that that person would be gone that quickly? Just like the guy we opened this episode with, he was there one day and two weeks later, he fell over and died from a heart attack. Again, so don't let this episode be a discouragement. Let it be an encouragement. Let it inspire you. Yeah, Don, I didn't tell you this, but I actually in preparing for this episode. I went to, I think it's called a deathclock.com and I figured out how many seconds, uh, you know, breaths, moments I have left on this earth. I had to put in my age and weight and all this stuff. And it's kind of wild because when you think about it, it's like, okay, now how am I going to live differently? Now that yeah. I know, you know, how much time a I may have left on this earth. And so we want to challenge those of you that are listening. What are you going to do differently? What are the things that you are going to do tomorrow that you know you need to do? What are those things that you need to say that you've been thinking about them, but it's time to get them on your lips. It's time to get them on your tongue and into the ears of the people that you are closest to, your husband and your wife, your kids. Tell them that you love them. Tell them what they mean to you. But you've got to do something with this this whole idea of death and think about it often. Don't forget about thinking about death and what it's going to end like. And I think that that's going to make a big difference. With that, we just want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Love in the Fight Marriage Podcast. Don't forget, guys, you can do it. You got this. Keep loving the fight. We'll see you next time.